Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome back. I'm so happy to be back after taking August off um, from the podcast. It was pretty rejuvenating, and I also really started to miss sharing episodes with you, so I'm excited to be back. We also had our five-year anniversary of the podcast during August, so happy five years to the podcast as well. Um, hopefully you got to catch up on old episodes during the break if you were missing the show or, um, yeah, just take space as well. I hope you got to take a break during August too, um, from whatever it is that you've been needing a break from, if that feels good and possible. In this episode, it's just me. I wanted to do a solo episode with you. I haven't done one in a long time. Um, I'm just going to sit and chat with you about the summer and about this year and about what's going on in my life right now and in healing right now. I think I've felt a little confused in general about how much and what I want to be sharing here. I've definitely gone through times of sharing less and sharing more and sharing less recently this year has felt really good. And in wanting to share today, there's definitely a part of me that's like, no one cares, who cares? Um, But I think the whole point of this podcast to me is sharing stories and sharing experiences, um, my experiences, other people's experiences um, with healing journeys so you can feel less alone and feel seen. Um, And I just think stories are so powerful. So yeah, I'm going to share a bit of my story of this year with you today. But first, something else is back that I want to tell you about and it's holy. Um, My seven-week reclamation circle and support group for ex-religious folks who want to create ex-religious community and heal from the impacts of dogmatic religion together. Um, Holy is really my favorite thing that I do. It's kind of hard to talk about why it feels so powerful, but I think that healing in community is powerful, and participants in past groups have shared about how the group has helped them feel safe to be vulnerable, feel less alone, how the group has felt like a place to share and connect with people who've been through similar experiences, um, and people have had really powerful transformations um, that you know, I don't take any credit for, but I think that the connection, um, and being seen and being able to process together and being able to heal has, yeah, really opened up some things in some people's lives. I get email updates from people in past cohorts sometimes, and I love reading them and hearing about how your lives have shifted and how your relationship with yourself has shifted, um, since the group. So yeah, I'm not going to talk a ton about it. The group is small, um, space is really limited. Right now, as I'm recording this, there are four spots left, and there is a full scholarship available and a partial scholarship available still. Um, so if you want those, there's a form you can fill out. Um, you fill out the application and then just check that you want the scholarship spot. Um, and I'll get back to you soon. We start September 15th. Um, so I'll put the link. Uh, to all the details and stuff and the application in the description. You can check it out if that feels like something that might be supportive for you this fall. And with that being said, let's get into 
some sharing <laughs> in this episode. So I've talked about it a little bit this year. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast or following me on Instagram, then you probably know a few things. Um, but I think I'm just going to share, yeah, the story of what's been up for me this year. And I think I'm not sure how things would have gone without COVID. And I'm not, you know, grateful for COVID. COVID is a tragedy um, and there's been so much harm and so much loss and so many people died. And so I'm not thinking about it like that. But I think COVID did um, make space for a mirror to be held up to me for things that I had been intentionally not seeing for a long time and then during lockdowns and all of that and things that were forced to happen during lockdowns like my move in with my old partner um, really like forced tension to come to a surface internally and externally and I think the theme of this year is for me it was really realizing how dishonest with myself I had been and how much of my own trust I had betrayed And that feels terrifying even to say it now and when I think about how far I got from myself without realizing how far I got from myself. And I think it happened in all the little moments. Um, It didn't happen at all at once. It happened in every little moment of choosing to ignore what I knew I needed because it felt scary or because my brain didn't want it even though a deeper part of me did. Um, It happened in all the little moments of pushing down instead of speaking up. It happened in all the little moments of choosing safety um, over being brave. And that's not to say safety and bravery are a dichotomy. I don't believe that. And I don't think safety is bad. But I think I got to a place where I was really clinging to safety and it was keeping me from being brave in the ways that I needed to. It was keeping me from being honest. Um, And yeah, I think I've made big promises to myself that I will never do that to myself again, that I will never make those choices again. And I think everything came to a head for me this year when I started dating someone. My old partner and I were Polly, and um, I started. I was. I thought I was bisexual, and I started dating someone, and I started falling really, really in love with them. And some dominoes fell, and I just realized, like, oh, the way I feel about this person, I never felt, and I don't feel about my old partner, current partner at the time, um, and the person I was dating, we, you know, had not made any promises to each other, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like they needed me to end that relationship or anything like that, but I knew I needed to end it, and I knew I couldn't be primary partners with that person in the way I wanted to be um, in this relationship, and I knew that, I just knew that my relationship wasn't right, that dating this person, my current partner, um, held up a mirror in a big, big way that really showed me that I had been fucked up that I had really been lying to myself that I hadn't been telling the truth um that I that I was not being fair to myself or to this person that I was living with that I was clinging to safety because I was afraid I was afraid to leave him I was afraid to hurt him I was afraid of a lot of things um but really I just 
I feel like I blew up my life a little bit because I knew and I felt so deeply that I would do anything just for the chance to be with my current partner in the way I wanted to be. And I'm not going to get into the details of our relationship because it's private between us, but yeah, um, we fell so in love and it's so good. It's so good. And, um, I left my old partner and we lived together and there was a lot of untangling and there was a lot of sadness and I was so tempted to be like, never mind, never mind. Um, but immediately after, like, not immediately after, like two days after, I was driving in the car and I just felt like, oh, you did so good. You did so good. And I felt so alive and I felt so free and I felt so myself. And that has just stayed true. I've never felt so free or so alive or so myself as I have this year. Um, regardless of everything else that's happening. And I think that's just because I told the truth and I did something about it. And that was scary, but I made really intentional choices about that. That also really prompted processing around sexuality and queerness and I really just realized that I'm a fucking lesbian and not bisexual and I'm not into cis men and I never actually have been and so I want to talk about some of the things that I've been unpacking around compulsory heterosexuality if you don't know this term it's it was coined by Adrian Rich she has a a really powerful essay um, on compulsory heterosexuality. You can probably find it on the internet. I'm like straining my neck to look at the title of the book that I have that it's in. It's in an essentials essay collection, Culture, Politics, and the Art of Poetry by Adrian Rich. It's in that book as well. Um, but anyways, so I'm just going to share some of the things I've been processing around that. So thinking about how I've really confused attachment and safety for love and for being in love, how I confused loving being loved and loving being desired for actually being in love with men, how I have always and honestly still deeply desire validation from men for a lot of reasons and also because of course I want my dad to love me. Um, one of the things that feels really clear to me is that I was never certain about being attracted to men, but I was always 100% certain about being attracted to non-cis men. I've been thinking about how we're conditioned to want the love of a man more than anything else, how that's supposed to be the most important thing. You're supposed to frame your entire life around it. You're supposed to drop your friends for it, drop any dreams or ambitions for it. It's supposed to be absolutely everything. And... The question for me in thinking about, um, you know, I, I was feeling like I needed to maybe dissect every past relationship I've had, every feeling I've ever had to like try and see if there was even a tiny kernel of attraction to men. And if so, you know, I can't be a lesbian or I can't be gay and orienting towards a question of like, can I be actually fulfilled in a relationship with a man orienting towards the question, can I actually 
find emotional fulfillment in and joy in a romantic relationship with men. It's like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's like so clearly no. Um, and I've always felt that even in relationships with men that felt kind of perfect on paper, like they should be exactly what I wanted. Um, there was always something missing. And now it feels really clear what was actually missing. And it feels really clear why I, why I was always so, in quotes, easygoing. So, in quotes, chill <laughs> in past relationships. Because um, it's a lot easier to be easygoing and chill when you are not actually in love and you are actually gay. Um, so, other things that I've been unpacking... I think about my first relationship in high school with my boyfriend at the time, and it was a deeply toxic relationship. It was absolutely terrible. (laughs) Um, But I think about how I just chose to like him. You know, I just like chose to like him and date him, and I was like, ah, him. I will like him now. And I really just wanted a boyfriend because I wanted someone to hang out with when my friends were hanging out with their boyfriends. Um, And I wasn't like, I didn't share that with anyone at the time, but I was very aware of what I was doing at the time. Um, And then I like had a story about, well, how then I like started to like him and fell in love with him. And I think that's so interesting because I think my, in quotes, attraction to men is actually a deep wounding of needing to be loved and desired by men to feel worthy, to feel accepted, to feel lovable. And that's like that being ingrained from society too, is like the love of a man is what gives you worthiness, acceptability, lovability, um, makes you hot, all of those things. And also your worth as someone socialized oh my god, my roommate's cat is sneezing so loud, I'm sorry, um, and also your worth as someone who's socialized as a woman is in all of those things, it's not just, like, a nice to have for men to want to date you and fuck you, it's, like, that is literally where your worth is sourced from and comes from, and with that, I've also been thinking more recently about how I think that my entire gender expression is shaped around wanting men to want to fuck me, which is a whole, I feel like I'll be processing gender for several years now. We haven't even really gotten into that, but um, if someone told me that a couple years ago that they thought that was true, I would be like, what? Ew, no, definitely not. But it's like so strongly ingrained and unconscious that only now as I'm like fully freed from ever wanting men to fuck me again or needing to care about them at all, which feels amazing, then I'm like, oh, right, this is for them too. And I thought it was for me, the way that I'm dressing, literally down to every single thing, but it's actually for them. Um, And untangling those threads feels really confusing. So, yeah, some other things. I always dreaded having a future, a romantic future with a man. Um from the time I was a kid, literally, like, little elementary school, middle school, I was like, I'm never getting married, I never want kids, all those kinds of things, and I was like, oh, I'm just a little feminist or whatever, and yeah, I think that's true, um, but also for my entire life, I've dreaded a romantic future with a man and have felt really repulsed by that idea, and I think when things got really twisted, and this is also something I wanted to talk about, is 
I started to gaslight myself by saying like, oh, this is like a healing opportunity. Like you need to heal your stuff with your mom and then this won't feel so scary. Um, Or like, this is a place for you to heal or do shadow work. And that was just not true. That is just, um, I mean, and yeah, I think definitely things in our lives that we're afraid of can be portals into that. But I really gaslit myself by using that language with myself and telling myself that rather than saying like, oh, you actually are dreading a future with your partner, maybe you shouldn't be with that person. Um, You're dreading a future. You've dreaded a future with every man you've ever been with. Maybe you actually don't want to be with men. And I think I didn't really realize how dark things got, especially last year in 2020, um, until emerging from that relationship that I was in. Also with the caveat, the person I was with was completely wonderful, he really did nothing wrong. Um, it was just, yeah, queerness. <laughs> um, but I really didn't realize how dark things got until emerging from that relationship. I realized that I really felt last year like I actually wouldn't care if I died and life didn't feel exciting at all. I didn't feel excited about life and I didn't actively want to die. I wasn't actively suicidal or anything, but I felt totally passive about it like I didn't actively want to live either and I told myself like oh it's just COVID you know everyone's feeling that way and I think COVID yeah has probably made people feel that way but that wasn't actually it for me um that feels really clear now it's wild how excited I feel about life and about getting older and about the life I have and the life I'm creating now (laughs) that I'm living a queer life and I feel so expansive and so alive and I'm not like dreading the hetero life that I thought I had to have. Um, I actually really, really, really want to live. Something else that feels really interesting to me, and I think I'm, I haven't actually heard anyone talk about this and maybe it's just me. So I would be curious if you have this experience too, like send me a message if you feel like sharing when I think about sexual stuff with cis men that I've been in relationships with um I would always I mean almost always orgasm and I think it was like a feminist issue to me always like you will make me come that is going to happen um but I could never come by being present and I know it's really common people are like I fantasize about women and that was a little bit of it, but actually way more often I would fantasize while having sex with men, these incredibly violent sexual fantasies with men. Um, and being in queer relationship now with my partner, I'm like, I actually don't need any fantasy, definitely not violent fantasy. And also nothing wrong with violent fantasy. I'm just like really trying to unpack what this means for me. And I think it's fascinating. Um, but just being present with them makes me come. I don't actually like need to get into this whole elaborate, really violent taboo fantasy in my brain. I can just like be there and come. And I think about how I had, I've had so many orgasms with men over the years, but I would always feel grossed out after I came if the sex continued. Like I was like, had been turned on and then I'm like totally done. And now I'm like, ugh. Um, and yeah, of course I don't feel that way at all (laughs) now. So that feels really interesting and we'll see (laughs) more to to unpack around that too. Um, and 
I think one of the other things I wanted to talk about around this is shifting queer identity. Bisexual people are real. That's just true. And I hope that in sharing like my story and what I've been processing that that doesn't come across that I don't think that or that that's not true. Because um, biphobia is super real too. Bisexual people are so valid. I'm just not a bisexual person. And um, it feels, I felt nervous to give myself permission to embody a different identity or to say like, I thought I was this thing, but actually I'm not. Um, my journey sort of tracked from like, oh, I'm straight to, oh, I'm not straight to, oh, I'm bisexual to, oh, I'm gay. And um, it felt scary to admit that and it felt scary to say that. And I think I definitely felt a little bit of imposter syndrome, like or even being in queer relationship, but feeling like, oh, I have dated men. Like, how can I say that I'm gay? Um, but it's also a deeply common experience because of literally everything I've just shared about compulsory heterosexuality. Um, so I know I'm not the only one with that, um, but I think I'm feeling like labels are feeling really validating and really good right now, but I'm trying to hold them loosely. You know, like who knows? Identities clearly change. Mine has changed. Um, or the way that I identify has changed. I don't think actually the core of who I am has changed, but the way that I label the core of who I am and understand the core of who I am has changed. And these words are like ways to try to explain that to the world and ways to validate myself and embody that self. Um, so I don't know if anyone listening is feeling like they can't shift their identity labels, um, or feeling like imposter syndrome around like past relationships and stuff. Just want to offer that like I feel it too. And also it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's really fine. Like you're okay and you're allowed to identify however feels good to you, you know, in terms of your sexuality and gender and all of those things. And you really actually don't need anyone's permission to do that or anyone's validation to do that. That's just for you. And there's definitely gatekeeping and weird shit in the queer community. And probably people will try and tell you that's not true. And I just don't agree at all. And there are lots of people who don't agree at all. So this has been super rambly and I hope that it has even made any sense at all. Um, but this has been what my healing journey has been over the past couple years, and especially this year. It's been unpacking sexuality, and it's been learning how to embody my truth, and it's been learning how to be brave, and it's been learning that sometimes it's not about what takes place on the meditation cushion, although that's beautiful. It's about, like, actually taking the information you get about yourself and doing something about it and maybe blowing up your life or changing your life or transforming or letting yourself die and be reborn and that is not easy someone in one of my holy groups this summer said something so beautiful about um how we press down a beach ball and um, instead of thinking of it as like blowing our life up, can we just think about it as like letting the beach ball um, bubble up to the surface, you know, not putting all this energy into pressing it down. And that's what this entire journey with sexuality feels like to me. Um, so maybe I should stop saying blowing, blowing my life up because <laughs> um, it really just felt like I stopped trying to not blow my life up. And this is what happened, you know, and this is what emerged. And my 
my full self emerged and a more expansive and alive self and a more expansive and alive and true life emerged. And along these same lines, to kind of close out talking about coming into lesbian identity this year, I wanted to read a poem for you um, from my forthcoming, upcoming, maybe this fall or winter <laughs> poetry collection called Moon Sign. Um, the poem's called An Afternoon in Baltimore. We are planting flowers at your dad's house and I am cautious about touching you. We share a bed in his house, but in the light of day, like high school again, he shouldn't have to actually see the desire he knows is between us. On your knees, planting, I laugh and say you look like an old-fashioned railroad boy in your dad's gray hat. I ask you if I look like anything, and you say no, just a lesbian. Something blooms in my chest and I open like these flowers. I want this word to be mine. It feels orange in my hands and it fits. It swallows me and inside it I feel home. Maybe I'm not a slutty bisexual after all. Maybe I'm just a soft Venus in Scorpio for your brain and your heart and your skin. Maybe I never knew how to love before. Maybe I was asleep. Maybe I'm finally eating at the right table. So thanks for listening. That's the poem. I've been writing a lot of poems this year for this collection about being queer um, and about identity and about coming out and it's felt really good and clearly the whole direction of the collection has changed <laughs> in a really in a really beautiful way. It feels beautiful to me anyways. Um, the other big thing that's happened this year that has been an entire healing process still messy in process with is coming out to my family. I mentioned that I came out to my parents. Um, I think I mentioned that. I definitely have been writing about it on Instagram. I think I mentioned that on the podcast, but this summer I came out to my parents. Um, I called a family meeting. So I had my siblings there, except for my little brother who had to work, and my sister's husband. Um, my partner and I drove down from Philly to my parents' house, and I dropped them off <laughs> at like a nature bridge area in my parents' neighborhood to hang out while I did it, because yeah, it would be quite escalatory to have them involved. Um, but yeah, I really wanted their support and they really wanted to be there for the process too. So then I went to my parents' house and we all sat down and I told, um, actually I had negotiated all of this before with my little sibling and I decided I was actually just going to come out to my little sibling. I mean, who obviously already knew, but, um, because I didn't feel like I could look at my parents' faces and I felt really scared of their reactions. Um, and so I held my little sibling's hand and I was like, mom, dad, I would just want to talk to you about something. And I just like looked my little sibling in the eyes and it was so sweet and supportive. And I was like, I just want to let you know that I'm gay and I'm in love with someone that I want to marry. And I'm telling you this because I want to have a real authentic relationship with you. Um, even though I know it's hard to hear. And I won't get into all the details of everything that was said. It was a pretty short process. It was not as terrible as I thought it was going to be, but it was a lot of invalidation. 
and a lot of frozenness from my dad and a lot of crying and yeah mostly invalidating from my mom and I was invited to go home after that which I wanted to do anyways so then I picked up my partner and we went home and I felt weird and I felt really raw and vulnerable but I was really really glad I did it and on the drive home to Philly my partner and I saw two full complete rainbows like the full unbroken rainbows um, as we were driving and it was so beautiful and we pulled over and we're like the universe is so gay and the universe is supporting my coming out and this love and it was really lovely um and things started to go a little bit downhill after that through some phone conversations with my mom and I felt like they had given me a little bit of hope that they weren't gonna cut me off and then that became became more obvious that that wasn't quite true and I um yeah was told by my mom that my dad never wants to talk to me again and doesn't want to have a relationship with me or see me at all but my mom won't let him in quotes um so of course that completely wrecked me and then I didn't talk I haven't spoken to my parents since in like a month and a half and there were some things that happened where I was uninvited to family gatherings and those kinds of things um and you know it's really just my parents I also came out to my grandparents my aunt and uncle and all those people and everyone I mean no one was like yay we celebrate you but everyone was way more chill than my parents and yeah I think I'm in a place now where my mom has kind of started to extend an olive branch out and I'm trying to decide what is right for me and what the conditions of our relationship are going to be and kind of knowing that they're never going to be able to meet them and so trying to decide if I want to opt into a shallow weird relationship with them or opt out and yeah continue I guess being estranged from my parents so I don't know that's very much in process but it has been a huge grieving at the same time that it's felt really freeing because now literally everyone knows and the truth is just there, you know? That feels really good. The rest is what feels really terrible <laughs> um, because this is just such a core attachment wound, you know? It's like the deepest fear of my life has actually come true. Like my parents did actually abandon me and it's different, you know, I'm an adult and I don't need them for my physical survival or anything like that like I did when I was a kid. So it's quite different, um, but it still feels deeply triggering and deeply devastating and I've been grieving a lot and I have never cried so much in my entire life as I've cried this year and this summer and I feel like I've touched like really deep sadness and like depths of myself of like deep core wounding and I've also felt really held and supported and loved in that and it's also felt really hard and it's felt really hard in ways I didn't expect like ways that that attachment experience would trigger attachment stuff within my relationship and um, just how it would affect things that I didn't realize it would affect. But that's where we're at. <laughs> that's where we're at with coming out. Um, it has taught me 
in the deepest possible way that my feelings won't kill me. It's taught me how to feel my feelings and really, really not suppress. And like, I thought I knew. I did not know. Now I know <laughs> how to feel for real, for real. Um, and I think I feel proud of myself for that. I feel proud of myself for staying and not leaving in terms of my feelings and myself and my experience. Um, and also I could never do it alone. So much therapy, friends, partner, so so much support um, that I feel really grateful for. I also wanted to talk about in this episode some rituals um, that I've done this summer. And I think maybe I'll share two of them that feel really beautiful and feel really resonant and like relevant with what we're talking about with this episode. And also just like how how healing ritual is but ritual feels so different to me now than it has in past years it's so not about like oh it's the full moon let me sit down and do something it's so much about letting the desire for ritual move through me and letting my experience and my feelings and my heart shape the ritual and letting it really source from within and not really be about anything else Um, and that feels really really good these rituals have both taken place out in nature so yeah i think i'll share about a baptism ritual that i did with my partner when we were camping at the beach and there's a bay at the beach as well where where i'm from we were camping down there and we decided that we would have my partner baptize me and so i really wanted to reclaim a baptism because i never got to consent to the baptism that i got you know, like technically I chose it, but um, we all know it's not real consent. It's not a real yes if you can't actually say no, and I couldn't actually say no. So I didn't actually get to consent to that experience. And um, so much about my experience with religion feels non-consensual and coercive. And so I wanted to reclaim a baptism as something for me. And I've gone through this space this year of feeling like I really died and was reborn in the most painful and beautiful way. And a baptism does symbolize a death. Um, In Christianity, the baptism is supposed to symbolize like the death of your um, old self before Jesus and like rising new in Jesus with your new commitment. Um, And I wanted to do that, but not committing to Jesus. (laughs) So we went to the bay and it was sunset and it was just the two of us and it was gorgeous. The sunset was reflecting into the water in the most beautiful way and we looked at the sunset a little bit and then I took off all my clothes and my my partner was in there in Sunday's best, we called it. So they were like kind of fancy looking, which was very fun and hot um and we waded out into the water and they asked me do you accept the death of your past self knowing that and your rebirth knowing that you will continue to die and be reborn throughout your life and i said i do and they dunked me under the water real quick and they said rise as your fullest self And I really feel like I left something in that bay and it felt deeply healing and powerful. And then we just like swam around a little bit and watched the sunset finish and it was so beautiful. And I just felt something shift within me of like, 
I don't know, more access to peace. I think it felt really peaceful after that. Like, this is just an honoring of what's happened, you know, and I don't want to resist what has happened. I don't want to resist dying. I will never resist dying again, I hope. Um, and coming into a rebirth and marking it in that way just felt really good. And to have someone I love so much and be part of that felt really, really good too. The other ritual I wanted to share about is an ancestor ritual. And my partner and I went camping um, way out in middle of nowhere, PA, and it was so gorgeous there. We saw so many shooting stars, and I think I saw a comet or a meteor or something. Like, it was a shooting star, but, like, nothing I'd ever seen before. It was incredible. Um, so beautiful. And the morning we're leaving, I'm talking about this binder of ancestral information I have and how... I'm telling my partner about this ancestral road trip I took to visit some places and that there was like a small cemetery, a small family cemetery, but it was too far away so I couldn't go on the trip. And we were like, wait, is it close to here? Um, and it was actually right on the way home. So we stopped and we couldn't find the actual, we realized we wouldn't be able to find the actual cemetery because the details were like the town and then near their house. Um, but there was a river named and the story was basically like, uh, I have the date on the paper, but I don't remember. I think it was like 1820 or 1840, maybe. Um, someone had died. It was Valentine's Day of this year, and someone had died. And so my ancestors were carrying this body, and they were trying to carry it across the river to the cemetery where they could bury it. And the river was flooded and icy, and they couldn't cross, so they had to turn around, and that's why they buried the person in a small they made a small cemetery and a few other people were buried there later near their home because they couldn't cross the river and so we went to this river and meditated a bit and I communed with my ancestors in a really sweet way and we just talked and I really felt their presence it was really beautiful and um I shared my grief with them um this for them, that was about grief, right? They were trying to cross the river with their dead to complete a grieving ritual, and they weren't able to do that. And I'm grieving too in a different way for different reasons, but I have a lot of grief. And I let them see that, and I felt like they let me see theirs. And I decided I wanted to cross the river and complete that for them that they weren't able to do back then. And in checking in with them, they were like, this is more for you than it is for us, but we want you to do it. And I was like, okay. So I crossed the river. It was surprisingly wider than I thought it was going to be and surprisingly deeper. So I walked and I swam across and I made it to the other side and I put my feet on that ground and it felt so good. And it felt like it helped me grieve too. It was a ritual for my grieving and it was a ritual for their grieving. And then I crossed the river back um, to my partner and we just took a few moments and then we went home. And yeah, something about that just felt really, really good. And I think, I hope it felt good for my ancestors too, to have that connection and I was just thinking as we were sitting there like wow my ancestors were here 200 years ago and 200 years later 
here I am, they're great, 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 whatever. That's probably too many greats, but they're great, 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 whatever. Grandchild is here, sitting here thinking about them and wanting to cross this river for them and is here like letting them witness my grief and also letting them witness my love. And I've talked about before how I feel like queerness or how I feel like living my queerness is deeply healing for my queer ancestors. And I don't know. I doubt that. I don't know. I don't know that the ancestors in this specific moment and this specific story were queer. Um, But I want my ancestors to know, you know, I want my ancestors to know that I did it. I want my ancestors to know that even if they weren't able to live queer lives and they were queer um that i am now and that it's for me and it's for them and it's also for everyone else who wasn't able to do that too and i think that feels really important and really powerful um to name because i feel it so much i feel it really deeply and i think with this year with these rituals with this coming out and this breakup and this shifting identity and also I had to move to a different apartment because of the breakup and we lived together it's like it's just made me think so much about being brave with our lives and I felt like after the breakup I could really look myself in the eyes again um I really embodied what was true for me and stopped trying to control everything and fell into free fall and that's what happened you know and I feel completely raw and cracked open i feel a lot of the time with this coming out with my parents right now i feel like a walking wound and i also feel like i've never felt more alive or felt more love or felt more joy and that feels good i shared on instagram a while back this quote from elizabeth gilbert where she said something like what are you willing to give up to have the life you keep saying you want and i had that quote on my wall for years um and it turns out i had to give up a lot you know i had to give up heterosexuality (laughs) i had to give up maybe my relationship with my parents definitely my old relationship with my parents i had to give up a lot of safety and other things and it has really been worth it i feel like i'm really living the healing i've been working on for years and feel like i cracked open through layers and generations of trauma to heal in this year and through the choices I've made and I think that's the point I've been trying to make in sharing in sharing the story and sharing about my experience also knowing that you know I'm sharing cliff notes and so much more has happened and this isn't even the full picture even though I'm talking a lot you know but I think the point is like I'm so grateful for the tools that got me here and resourced me and I still use them and I'm grateful but um they actually made me brave enough to do the healing and the healing has taken place in relationship and in community those tools weren't actually the healing itself the healing has been saying yes and saying no and dying and being reborn and changing my life the healing has been grieving the healing has been opening up to this love the healing has been making really scary choices that's the actual healing um And I don't know that that distinction was always very clear to me before now. I wanted to share that as well. And I think that's it. (laughs) I think that is it. All I have in me to to talk about in this episode. Um, I hope that 
you feel seen or that it felt supportive in some way for you to hear. And if you're going through it too, if you're holding grief or processing identity things or coming out or any of those things, like, I know it's hard and I'm proud of you. And yeah, I think that's all. So I'll be back next week with an interview. I've got a lot of really wonderful interviews lined up for the fall and winter that I'm super excited to share with you. So stay tuned, subscribe if you haven't. Um, and if you want to join us for Holy, usually it's a lot of queer people. Um, so far, it's already some queer people who are joining. So um, if you're an ex-religious queer person, that could be supportive as well, though you don't have to be queer to join. The link is in the description for that and i'll see you next time thank you so much for listening if you loved this episode please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on i appreciate it so so much and it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show with an indie podcast you can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description and i'll be back on monday with another episode make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on instagram at e-r-y-n-j underscore or patreon until then